Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. Excited to have you here with us on this fine Thursday. Thank you for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen each and every day, your first listen when it comes to all things Duke Athletics. On today's show, Brian Horace, Duke Blogger, at Duke Blogger on Twitter, back with us. Uh, I had rave reviews the first time he was on the program, so I had to bring him back to get the 411 and all the latest intel on the Duke Blue Devils. As, uh, again, a tough loss earlier in the week versus Florida State, but they've got an opportunity to correct that coming up this weekend versus Syracuse, so tons to discuss here on today's edition of Locked on Blue Devils. Brian, how are you, man? Doing pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, excited to have you back on the program. Like I said, people loved it the first time that uh, Duke Blogger and J.J. Jackson connected, so we had to do it again, man. I appreciate it. All right, so uh, let's talk about Duke basketball. Since the last time we came together, spent a lot of time on yesterday's show talking about Duke's loss on Tuesday night versus Florida State. Josh Cox from uh, Duke Football Talk Section 17 joined us on the program. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. So I want to get your thoughts on the Florida State game, Brian. But before we even do that, let's catch up. What did you think about uh, Saturday's contest that Duke had versus NC State? What stood out to you? I thought that was a good win for Duke. Um, NC State, uh, you know, Keats' team always plays Duke really, really tough. Um, it was an important win. I mean, every home win is an important win. You, you got to take care of home. And, you know, coming off of, uh, you know, the Miami loss and then the Wake Forest win, I think this was a pretty important game. I, I think they played fairly well. You know, there were stretches where they, um, you know, they, they laxed a little bit, and that's going to happen with a young team. But uh, overall, you can't be mad at a 15-point win. Not at, not at all. A really good win for Duke. And defensively, uh, they were elite. Mark Williams had just a phenomenal game with the 19 points, 11 rebounds, and eight blocks. We talked about how good Mark Williams was in that Gonzaga game, but versus NC State, Brian, I mean, he just took it to a whole nother level. Oh, yeah. I mean, eight, eight blocks is just phenomenal. He almost had a triple-double, you know, and, and off-block shots, which is, you know, one of the harder ones to accomplish. He he was everywhere, and that, that was probably his best game, I think, as a Blue Devil and against good competition as well. And, and NC State, an in-state rival, as you said, obviously uh, you're going to be amped up for that a little bit more. You got a lot of eyeballs on that game in the state. You hear about it around campus, around the town and that sort of thing. And so for Duke to get a win like that was so impressive. All right, so uh, then, as we mentioned, Tuesday night, Duke loses 79-78 versus Florida State in overtime. Uh, your first thoughts about this game, Brian? Yeah, the, the first thoughts that come to mind for me, obviously it's a tough loss, but it's it comes down to the things that have, you know, haunted Duke, you know, for a lot of times since they've come off this uh, – you know, the COVID pause and then the yeah, pause yeah. For, um, for exams, you know, there are two things that this team has to be, you know, aware of. And that is obviously rebounding and turnovers, because those are the two things that if Duke doesn't do well, there are there's no margin for error there. So, you know, it was disappointing to give up those uh, 19 offensive rebounds. That's uh, it's just not a tenable stat for for any team, much less, you know, a team like Duke that's, you know, being hunted in the ACC because there aren't very many quality wins left. 
Yeah, it's like it's is it is it the offensive rebounds for people that Duke gave up? Obviously, is it the um, kind of stagnant offense that we saw in the second half from Duke? That's why I wanted to hear from people uh, kind of what their big takeaways were from the game. And really, the correct answer is all of the above, right? Because when you lose, it's not just one thing. Typically, there are certain uh, multiple things that you can correct and sort of move forward. But uh, the offensive rebounds, we'll touch on that a little bit, and then I do want to get your thoughts on that offense from Duke, Brian. What did you make of that? Was it an effort thing? Was it a, 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 a situation where we mentioned this yesterday, Duke has kind of gotten block happy from time to time, and rightfully so. I mean, when Mark Williams comes off a game where he has eight blocks, uh, you kind of want to block every shot that you can and then sometimes put you in a poor position to give up those offensive rebounds. What do you make of that? Well, for me, I mean, we know that Mark's going to go for those blocks. That's been something that, you know, since he's been at Duke, that's what he does, and that's what they want him to do. But for Duke, they have to get better rebounding efforts from their guards. Their guards have to body guys. I mean, you have to get more rebounds from AJ Griffin. You got to get more rebounds for you know from Trevor Keels, from 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 uh, Wendell Moore Jr. Uh, whoever's in there has to be uniquely aware that if Mark is coming off to block a shot, it's because you've been beaten yeah. off the dribble. So you have to in turn do your part and protect. And I don't think the Duke guards are doing that right now. And I think that's a it's a pretty big issue that they really have to get figured out going forward because there are teams coming up like UNC that are going to feast on that, like UVA that are going to feast on that. That is brilliant, Brian. Like I'm sitting there listening to you talk and I'm like, no, this guy is right. Because yeah, it, it, you know, in a way you want to get frustrated at Duke trying to go for all the block shots and feel like they're in particular, but you're exactly right. If the guards aren't beat off the bounce, there is no need for Mark Williams to try and come over and contest the shot and block it ultimately uh, because I'm going back and looking through the numbers and to let people know, okay, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at Duke's rebounding effort versus Florida State, again, where they gave up a gazillion offensive rebounds in that one. Wendell Moore Jr., only four rebounds. A.J. Griffin had three. Trevor Keels had two. Joey Baker played 19 minutes in the contest, only walks away with one rebound. And then in nearly 30 minutes of game time, Jeremy Roach only had three. They are guards, but as you're saying, when they get beat off the bounce, and that brings your body closer to the basket, and then there's a need for you to block out and get those rebounds. Yeah, I think a lot of times they're out of position. What I noticed was that um, guys were behind them getting those rebounds, which means that they're probably – you know, a little, maybe a little too close to the basket. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure there. I need to go and rewatch a little bit more, but uh, you know, there just has to be better position. Paolo mentioned that last night on the presser that, yeah. you know, Florida state was really crashing hard and, and getting a running start for those rebounds. And I'm not really sure how you combat that, but you've, you know, you've got to be able to put bodies on guys. I mean, if, if you lose putting a body on a guy, then, you know, hats off to them, but you got to at least, you know, you know, stick your butt out, do something. You got to, you know, those are crucial for this team. 19 offensive rebounds given up by the Duke Blue Devils. They lose in overtime Tuesday night, 79-78 to Florida State. Let's take a quick break here on Locked On Blue Devils. All right, today's show brought to you by our friends over at NetSuite. This is it. You've got one putt for the chance to win the tournament. All of a sudden, you can't see because your hat falls over your eyes You've got so many distractions going. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the absolute best. It's the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes, close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. You need to go to netsuite.com slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get their special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses, netsuite.com slash locked. Back on Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson hanging out with Duke Blogger, my buddy Brian Horace. You could follow him on Twitter as I do, at Duke Blogger. Great stuff there. He's a part of the Slap the Floor podcast with Zion and Mike. They do a great job talking all things Duke basketball. And like I said, if you go to dukeblogger.com, Brian always does such a great job on his in-depth breakdowns going into the game, and then he recaps it after the fact. Uh, He just does an awesome job. So, Brian, I want to talk about offensively versus Florida State. That's where a lot of people had issues with Duke in that contest. Took over 10 minutes before in the second half, I should say, before Paolo Benchero, Benchero, excuse me, got back involved into the offense and that sort of thing. What were your thoughts on Duke offensively? Yeah, they 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 went you know far too long without getting the basketball. A lot of that was what they were trying to run for him in the middle, and you know Florida State was uh, was doing a really good job of uh, affronting him and, and and denying the basketball. Eventually, they switched and brought him out to the perimeter, which paid off. But uh, you know, possibly they went with that particular thing a little bit too long, trying to get him the uh, looks on the uh, on the low block, and that just wasn't really working. I mean, credit to Florida State. I mean, they're a young team, but uh, Leonard Hamilton is a is a great defensive coach. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. They're going to take you out of what you want to do. But um, you know, there are little things that I think Duke could have done a little better. Obviously, um, post passing has been an issue for most of the season. Just there's there's a hesitancy, and and we're getting we're looking for the bigs a little bit too late. You know, earlier they're open. Once we look, it's too late, and, and we're telegraphing those passes. So, you know, there's a lot to work on. I mean, offensively, there's just a lot to work on. I mean, it was it was flowing a lot better, you know, maybe a month ago, and now it's sort of uh, – it goes through these little, you know, these lapses, like you mentioned, that where they just have problems getting the ball where they want it. And I think that's something that can be rectified. I mean, everyone knows Kay is a great offensive coach, and it'll get there, but right now, yeah, there's just – you know, FSU really just sort of – highlighted all of the things that are that are you know that need to yeah. be fixed with this team for sure and look it's going to be tough right because now we've got to figure out okay how does trevor keels factor into this what is the uh, full injury prognosis and what does it look like moving forward uh, full transparency brian and i currently recording this on wednesday it's going to be our thursday episode as you well know when you're listening to this on locked on blue devil so uh, what does that look like moving forward that could obviously throw a wrench into offensive game planning and that sort of thing. And then the next opponent for Duke, Brian, is Syracuse. And whatever you do offensively, you all of a sudden change it because you know you're going to get the zone out of Syracuse. They're not going to adapt. They're not going to change. And so what can you do then if you're Duke or any opponent going against them so you know there's going to be another level of sort of adaptability that needs to take place on your offense? Oh, for sure. And obviously, you know, Syracuse in that zone is a – you know, it's it's tough for younger teams, I think, more so than older teams. <clears throat> I think Duke is in a good position to to feast on that zone if, you know, they're able to install something, you know, for that to get Palo 
you know, in the middle of that zone to be either a passer or a, or a mid-range shooter, or even um, A.J. Griffin, who's another guy that can really hit that mid-range shot, or even Wendell. I mean, they, they are uniquely qualified to beat that zone. The problem for me, and, and Coach K alluded to this when they had their pause, they haven't been able to install a lot of new things because sure. they've had to reinforce the old things. So hopefully in the next couple of days, they can figure it out. Hopefully they've already tried to figure it out. I'm sure they've, you know, they've at very least talked about that, but um, it'll be interesting to see if they do it smoothly. I mean, they have the, the pieces to make that zone, you know, work for them, but it's, you know, you never know till you're in there. I mean, you're, you're still working with a lot of freshmen who probably have never really seen that before. So It'll be interesting. I don't really fear Syracuse that much. Right. I think we have what we need to beat them. But uh, again, you never, you know, you never know until the game's being played. Syracuse is 500 on the season. And uh, yeah, it's one of their worst starts since like the 70s uh, for, for Syracuse and Jim Beheim there. So uh, Duke should be in good hands, but it is something different that they'll have to uh, prepare for and kind of move forward. And again, the questions that you've got to answer offensively. So, and, and as we say, the, when, Immediately after the fact, it just kind of, as a fan, you can get in this sort of mindset that, oh my goodness, the sky is falling, this is miserable, and that sort of thing. But at Duke, a program that Mike Krzyzewski has created, and we're so grateful that we're at this point and at this standard, you're playing for championships at the end of the season. And Brian, if all, if Duke does go on to win the championship at the end of this year, we're going to forget about these entire conversations altogether entirely, aren't we? Oh, most definitely. I mean, you know, no team's going through this season without taking some losses they probably shouldn't take. And unfortunately, in a weaker ACC, every loss is going to be magnified because, I mean, what, Duke's the only ranked team right now. Hopefully Miami will get ranked, you know, after what they've done. But uh, there's only there's only so far you can go up in the ACC for Duke. You can only go down. And that's, you know, that's that's sort of a problem because – you're going to take conference losses. That's just the nature of playing in a, you know, in a conference, you have rivalry games, the teams know each other. So there's very little up Duke can get to. They're, they're not going to be beating any teams that are better than they right. are or equal to they are. So all they can do is lose. The, and they, that's, uh, that's an issue. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Duke leads the conference in points per game and uh, a really good offensive team just sometimes they clearly have these struggles in the start of the second half was one of those. The end result was 78 points looks way better because Duke was able to get five more minutes in overtime, but also because of the strong scoring run they went on at the end of the game down by nine points was seven minutes to go and were able to kind of get those numbers back up. Is this team better playing with pace, Brian? I think so. Um, I still wonder if they're fully ready to play at the same game speed that they were playing with before. Um, you know, I think playing faster is better for this team. I just, yeah. I still have questions about their, uh, their stamina currently. It always seems to me that when you are playing quicker, when you do have the pace and the flow and that sort of thing that, and quite frankly, we've got the talent that Duke does that their guys can beat their man off the dribble when Paulo does that, he's got the lob at the rim for Mark Williams. He's such an unselfish player, uh, sometimes too unselfish. Uh, and you know towards the end of the game, there's the screen grab uh, at the end of that Florida State game where it looked like Wendell possibly had a lob to Mark Williams at the end of regulation. Paulo did throw it up there towards the rim for Mark. And when Duke was down by nine, as I said in the last 
seven minutes, they picked up the pace because you had to. You were worried about kind of running out of time to make things happen. And I don't know, just for whatever reason, I've always felt like when this Duke team plays with a bunch of pace, when they get the ball, they push it in transition, talent wins in basketball, and Duke certainly has a lot of it. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, they – and offensively, when you look at the numbers, I mean, they shot just under 50%, you know, for the game, 43% from three, and yet they still lost, even though Florida <laughs> State shot 36% in 28. I mean, that only shows you that it's, it's the intangibles that they're missing, and that, that's what they have to clean up. I mean, they, they just can't turn the ball over. They have to rebound the ball. Yeah. Yeah, they are probably the most talented team maybe in the country. But if you're not going to do those gritty things, as I call them, you're going to have these games that are close that you win comfortably if you do everything, you know, the the little things the right way, because the offense is going to be there more or less. You're going to outscore most teams. But if you're not, but if you're giving people extra possessions, I mean, Florida State shot 73 times. Duke shot 55 times. Yeah. Yeah. 19 offensive rebounds for Florida State. Thank you for bringing up the turnovers, by the way. That was something that I totally forgot to uh, mention yesterday. It did not come up at all in in the recap podcast here for Duke's loss to Florida State. But, yeah, when you turn the ball over the way they did, we saw it versus Miami. Duke turned the basketball over. What happens? You lose the basketball game. You're in a really tight game moving forward. Uh, You mentioned the the percentages. Duke did shoot really good percentages offensively. And the one thing I did mention yesterday worth applauding – on 27 makes for Duke, 20 of those were assisted makes. So clearly we mentioned pace. Clearly there's some rhythm and flow when Duke was at their best and making their shots moving forward. And uh, yeah, that's a good position for the Blue Devils to be in. Let's take our last break. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and that means a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Final few moments here today. It's a Thursday edition of Locked On Blue Devils. JJ Jackson hanging out with Brian Horace. He's on Twitter at Duke Blogger as Duke gets set for their game coming up versus Syracuse. We mentioned offensively uh, what Duke's going to see. Obviously, you know. There's going to be the zone defenses. Let's talk about some of the bigger picture things when it comes to this matchup. Before the game versus Florida State, we saw Leonard Hamilton kind of recognize Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, We saw the donation that they made to the Emily K Center and ask fans to do the same there in Tallahassee as, unfortunately, Coach K's last trip to the Donald Tucker Center ended in a loss for his team. What's exciting about Saturday's game, though, Brian, is that uh, one of Coach K's greatest friends – in the biz. Jim Beheim will be on the sideline opposite. And uh, boy, we've had some really exciting Syracuse and Duke matchups over the year. And it's going to be fun to see those guys coaching head to head again another time. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, two Hall of Fame guys going at it. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun game. And it really is. And, uh, you know, I'm, I know Coach K really values these matchups against guys that he, you know, respects and, and guys that he's you know, battled against. So it's, I'm sure there's going to be something that's going to happen before the game that'll, you know, be some sort of homage or something yeah. like that. But uh, it's, it's just good to see those two guys getting, you know, another, uh, another crack at each other. 
So it's at Duke here to start coming up on Saturday, uh, 12 noon Eastern tip-off uh, for Duke and Syracuse. And their third to last game of the year, Duke will play Syracuse up in New York. And so uh, definitely his last time up there to the Carrier Dome, I'm sure there's going to be some recognition for Coach and that sort of thing. But, uh, man, I just I have all these memories of when, when Syracuse joined the ACC, what that was going to look like, their dominance – that they obviously had in the Big East Conference. Uh, but, uh, man, we have seen some really good Duke and Syracuse games over the years. Oh, yeah, the jacket game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, so, yeah, there's, there, there have been some some really classic games, you know, with, with those two. And it's just – it's it's nice to have those sorts of rivalries, you know, even though they're not necessarily the rival coaching-wise, they are rivals. And it's, it's going to be one of those things that's uh, – you know, the AC is going to miss that. They're going to miss that sort of thing. You know, when, when he's gone, hopefully they can build some new, you know, rivalry and relationships like that. But this is going to be one that, you know, we're going to miss because obviously Bayheim is going to be there very long, you know, much longer either. So it's yeah. going yeah, to be missed. A lot, a lot of tradition leaving. This uh, the Syracuse team is nine and nine on the season. On Tuesday night, they played Clemson, who funny enough is Duke's next opponent after Syracuse. So their next two opponents played one another and it was a 13 point victory for Syracuse at home in that one. Uh, but the, they've got the two Bayheim brothers on the team, Buddy, who we well know. We've seen over the years his older brother, Jimmy, now on the team this year. Joe Gerard is someone that Duke was heavy on the recruiting trail after and that sort of thing. And the ESPN Basketball Power Index is giving Duke right now an 89.5% chance to win this basketball game. Uh, but when we look at the game, when we look at Syracuse, as we sort of scout them a little bit more, and I know – uh, at some point later in the week at dukeblogger.com by the time you're listening to this and and certainly on Saturday getting set for the game, you're going to be able to see Brian's full preview up uh, for this contest with good numbers and that sort of thing. But here early in the week, Brian, as we sort of transition towards Syracuse, what are you seeing when you look at their team statistically or players to highlight or however you want to take it? Yeah, I mean, obviously this team goes as far as, uh, as Buddy Beheim takes them, you know. I mean, he's their, you know, their ACC player of the year caliber guy and uh, his shooting. And, and obviously he's a great shooter, but he does a lot of little things that, uh, that really stand out. He's, he's an excellent passer. He's great in the mid range, which he doesn't get a lot of credit for. He's actually pretty dang good at finishing around the rim as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Gerard has had a couple of tough games recently, but he is a knockdown shooter. Um, I think he can be susceptible to, uh, to really good ball pressure though. I think, you know, I think Duke will will try something like that against him and try to get him, you know, put pressure on him, bringing the ball up, make them shoot with a with a with a short clock, and uh, you know, again, rebound is going to be a big factor in this game as well. Can't wait! It's going to be an excellent game between Duke and Syracuse, I'm sure. And then they've got Clemson after the fact. And uh, I, I keep thinking it and looking at the schedule as obviously we get closer to the end of January. We're three games away now from that first UNC matchup, and we're talking about final trips to places. It's hard to believe that that first matchup with the Tar Heels is, is right around the corner in Coach K's final trip to the Dean Dome. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 crazy. I mean, none of that's really set in for me. I wonder if it's set in for uh, for Coach K yet. But um, yeah. it's it's going to be an important game and a big game. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be electric atmosphere and not many of these players has you know have, have been in that atmosphere as of yet so it'll be uh it'll definitely be interesting and they still have another game they have to uh schedule i mean great that, point yeah i still have no idea where they're going to squeeze in that game i mean there's only so many areas where they have room so it'll be interesting to see if that game 
gets played in, you know, hopefully between maybe the Virginia and Boston college game. But other than that, I don't know where they squeeze yeah. it, it. And putting a schedule out in the first place before the season gets started is, is crazy enough. I'm sure for uh, the athletic directors and everybody that has to come together to make those decisions within the conference. And now you're having to factor in all these postponements. That is definitely a job that I do not envy. <laughs> That's for sure. When you're, when you're trying to find a date, to make that happen. Brian, I always feel so much smarter about the team and about the game of basketball, quite frankly, every time I talk to you. Uh, it's been a whole lot of fun today here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Give me a plug one more time about uh, everything you got going on, man. Yeah, we have the Slap the Floor podcast um, episode, hopefully uh, coming up pretty soon. Um, and you can find that at, uh, at uh, Duke Blogger. I will always tweet out everything that comes to with that. And uh, obviously, dukeblogger.com is where I uh, do my writing and uh, you can follow me at uh, Duke Blogger, and that's that's that. Perfect. Thank you, man. I really do appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon, Brian, okay? Definitely. Thank, thank you. All right. That's Brian Horace. He is at Duke Blogger on Twitter. He's joining us here today on Lockdown Blue Devils. I, I'm, I'm genuine when I say that. I really do feel a much smarter talking to him, and the guard's impact on the rebounding efforts is definitely an angle I did not think about because – you love seeing the block shots there in the categories and statistics, but the guards have to do their job and make it sure Duke secures the rebound and goes back in the opposite direction. So check out all of his stuff. Obviously, our buddy Zion Ogiletti there with the uh, Slap the Floor podcast as well. A great duo, and Mike's great as well. So check out everything going on there at Duke Blogger. And that's going to wrap up our Thursday edition here of Locked on Blue Devils. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, and good day.